You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. All right, it's our big talking point this morning. We are speaking about, um, you know, just whether or not we're seeing a return of investment in some of the events we've hosted recently. You think about the BRICS Summit. We've now hosted the Aqua Forum, which concluded in Johannesburg yesterday. Now, the forum was set to strengthen uh, relations between the United States and the rest of the African continent. Now, some analysts are saying that African countries stand to enhance their economies by being part of such agreements as Agoa. And given the recent tussle between the U.S. and South Africa, just how beneficial is this for us, um, you know, to continue being part of? And you think about some of the businesses um, and, and, and the business CEOs who've come out to say that balance geopolitics and business because we do need this particular platform. But at the same time, you look at uh, 180 million rand that has been spent on the BRICS summit, for example, and some are saying that, um, you know, you think about the Democratic Alliance, for example, in Parliament saying it, it, it was not a return, a good return of investment for them. This was a slap in the face of South Africans who, um, you know, are waiting for services. But you think about the other side of this. There's also, um, you know, Accommodation places that will get to benefit. Uh, you think about the, the hotels that would be booked out for, for example, and those are, um, you know, the, the the businesses that are going to be also getting the economic spin-offs of this one. But let's talk about what does it mean then, um, you know, at a tangible point for you to understand exactly what are some of the benefits that we see and some that we may not be seeing behind the scenes. We're now joined on the line by Mielane Mkabela, founding director and CEO at Anduisa um, Management Group and Professor Andre Thomashausen, who's a professor emeritus uh, of comparative and international law at UNISA. I'm going to start with you, Mielani. You know, there's often a lot of talk, especially when, um, you know, people are looking at some of the big numbers when it comes to the monies that are spent in hosting some of these particular forums. Is it for you when you look at, um, you know, the hosting, are we getting a return on, on our investment? South Africa has a large uh, market potential, well-developed infrastructure, and a competitive uh, domestic economy. And when you look on the uh, agreement uh, of South Africa and the United States or Algoa, uh, you find that South Africa is benefiting. Uh, when you look from 2000, South Africa was uh, having... South Africa's inflows of uh, foreign direct investment uh, from the uh, United States were 3.5 uh, billion US dollars. And when you look at 2021, South Africa's inflows of uh, FDI from United States were 7.5 billion US dollars. And when you look on the change on that, you find that the percentage change in that 20 years was 112% in increment. So you can say in terms of the numbers that we have, South Africa, it is benefiting from AGOA. And 
we consider South Africa as the biggest uh, beneficiary as well from Agoa because when you look on the on all products that are exported uh, to the United States, you find that South Africa is the leading uh, uh, exporter. And it could be more mainly that Ford has uh, um, established a plant uh, in uh, like at Pretoria. And that speaks of uh, an increment. So we'll be having a Ford Ranger that will be manufacturing uh, locally and that will be uh, um, uh, exported to uh, the United States and other countries. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that, you look at South Africa benefiting. What I can indicate and emphasize, I can say it is not enough. We can do more, uh, mainly with regard to foreign direct investment uh, and make sure that more of the products are uh, value-added locally yeah. and then exported with like a, a better margin that can improve uh, our economic growth and job creation. I'm going to come back to, you know, Mielani, how then do we improve on that as a country? But let me go to Prof. Uh, Prof, one of our listeners this morning saying we're biting off more than we can chew. He's comparatively, um, you know, looking at this against the backdrop of the debt uh, that we owe from some of the loans. And, and, and he says, I mean, looking back at the amount of money spent, on the BRICS summit, for example, for him, it's not worth it. We are, you know, we're not seeing a return of investment. And I wonder, are we biting off more than we can chew? I think one has to put this a little bit more into into the overall global context. Uh, what, what is this Agoa? And it's all about conditionality of trade. The big, the big blocks, America, Europe, uh, impose conditions. Uh, on what we may, what how we can export our products to their countries. The Europeans, through the economic partnership agreements, impose quotas. We can't just export as many oranges or as many liters of wine <clears throat> as the European market would maybe buy from us, but we are tied by quotas. And, of course, there's political conditions. We have to comply with what they think are the adequate standards of democracy and human rights uh, for, for our people. The AGOA, the American Agreement, goes another way. It doesn't impose quotas, but it limits the kind of things that we can export duty-free to America. It's a list of about 3,000 items. Um, and it is also conditional, and it needs an act of the American Parliament called Congress uh, next year. To, to renew the AGROA agreement. And there's, of course, uh, a lot of resistance, national, local resistance against giving uh, African countries, and especially South Africa, um, the privilege of being able to, to export to America duty for, without paying customs. Uh, Lesotho, for instance, is abusing this privilege by, by simply repackaging textiles, uh, shirts and, and trousers that are manufactured in China. They, they fit them with a new package and the price label, then they send them to America without paying customs duty. So there is a, there's a resistance by American lawmakers. And of course, the American lawmakers say, South Africans, you choose to, to be on the side of Hamas, who has attacked Israel, and you choose to be on the side of, uh, of Russia, and you choose to be on the side of China. So why, sh why should we continue to give you privileged access to, 
to our markets. And the American market is the biggest market in the world. So it's relevant to us. Um, if we look at statistics, 70% of our agricultural exports go to America. Uh, in the Western Cape, we would lose about 30,000 jobs in the in the, in the food business and in, in the wine manufacturing if, um, if Agoa would fall away. So this is, um, on the one hand, the big relevance of Agoa, especially for the Western Cape um, and for the, for the motor industry here, because European motor manufacturers, they prefer to send cars from South Africa without paying customs entry uh, duties in America than to send them from Europe, where they would have to pay duties. Um, yeah. Whether or not this is all uh, paying off for South Africa, well, it depends on what we what we have to sell, because we still have to win in the market. We still have to offer products that American consumers want to buy. And Prof, you know, there has been, especially when you speak about geopolitics, there has been a view, um, you know, expressed by some that, uh, the, the, you know, this is the United States trying to dictate to us which side of history we should be on. And you think, for example, ahead of the Agoa Forum, for example, the EFF speaking out against, um, you know, the use of trade by the, what they call the use of trade by the U.S. to fight political wars. And I wonder then, how do we strike a balance here between the geopolitics and sticking to our foreign policy, um, you know, and also at the same time making sure that we're doing what business is telling us to say, continue with this particular um, trade agreement. Well, I don't think it is that important for South Africa because uh, China already some 10 years ago has scrapped all import duties for all products from Africa, uh, acknowledging that Africa with 20% um, of the world surface, the world landmass, and 20% of the world population only produces 3% of the world GDP. So uh, why not help Africa sell the few things that they actually produce? Um, and, and, and this generosity has not been followed by, by America or Europe. And, and so obviously it is for, for many producers now in South Africa, um, for instance, the wine industry, it's far easier to to export wine to China than to, to America or Europe with quotas and enormous regulatory hurdles, all sorts of health issues. Europe has now invented the existence of, of a fungus on our citrus, on lemons and, and oranges. So suddenly our lemons and oranges are, are, are perishing in the, in the ports, in the landing ports in Europe because they're not, not being let in. And this is obviously to, to protect the Spanish and Italian citrus productions. So our trade relations with America and, and Europe are, are more complex, are more complicated than, than, for instance, with China. What it is really about for us, and I think uh, Cosato has pointed it out uh, very correctly, is how far do these big trading partners help us industrialize? How far do they help us modernize, move Africa from a situation where people are taking four or five chickens um, by foot to a market, and it takes them the whole day to get there and maybe sell four chickens to, to the point where they can actually use a motorbike. And we can, even here in South Africa, I mean, we see all the food delivery now, it's all happening with small Chinese motorbikes because they're affordable. So um, this industrialization, this modernization is really um, what will matter to, to South Africa. So to answer an earlier question, I don't think the effort and the money on the BRICS summit was wasted. 
um, it was very well spent because it, it is making us part of a big move uh, of modernization in Africa. All right, let me take some of the voice notes before I come back to you, uh, Mielani, as we, we, we continue with our discussion. Let's listen to what some of our listeners are saying. Good morning, Bongu. Of course, there's an economic benefit, especially for the tourism industry. All those people have to stay somewhere, have to be accommodated somewhere. So the hotels are benefiting and maybe spend some money. So there is an economic benefit to the country, even if it's not a direct benefit to the government itself. Debbie, thanks. Bye. Hi, the lady there. I think by hosting uh, most of these uh, organizations it's, or, or conferences or summits, it's just wanting to appear good in the books of international uh, community. It's, it's, it's a really a lot of money hosting. But you see, I think this question must be directed to, to the president because really we've been asking ourselves, do we gain something? Uh, when you, from the look of things, we, we, we gain zero out of that. Thanks, Willie and Kuma. Morning, Bungiwe. This is Salim from Durban. Jumbo Africa. You see, South African economy is going through a very hard time, knowing that our debt level is rising and our unemployment is highest ever. At the same time, we got Angoa here. If Agoa can help us grow the economy and create jobs, it'll be good. But one must also remember that we must manufacture things and send it to overseas countries like America and Europe so jobs can be created in South Africa. So we must stimulate our economic growth by stimulating our manufacturing capacity. And uh, we're still talking about, um, you know, some of these platforms that we find ourselves hosting, being a part of these multilateral platforms as South Africa. Do they yield the desired um, result? You think about the Agor Forum and how we can, you know, a lot of people are talking about maximizing that in order to ensure that we stimulate economic growth. And one of our listeners now in their voice notes is saying exactly that. And and, and I wonder, Mielani, you know, as we stay with that particular point, how do we ensure that this uh, part of, 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 of a discussion around, you know, trade, we talk about trade, we talk about the benefits and all of that, but there's still some limitations, as we heard Prof say. But how do, you know, South Africans make sure that as they watch this, it also stimulates economic growth? Because ultimately, that is what South Africans are looking to, particularly where we find ourselves with our economy. Uh, the United States is the biggest economy in the world, and China is the second biggest economy uh, in the world. So South Africa first needs to manage the trade and investment relations with both uh, economies. Uh, and that will assist South Africa in our uh, uh, growth uh, to be a core G20 like nation. And I would like to give an example with China. China is the biggest uh, beneficiary in terms of the share of United States goods import subjects to duty. Uh, so you find China exceeding uh, Agoa with around uh, 75%. So in all countries of the world, China is trading with uh, US and 
investors uh, to China or FDI to, to China as well, mainly come from the United States. So South Africa needs to do the same. We can't really look at one side of um, uh, whether we want to trade with BRICS or China only uh, because of political, uh, 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 you know, like uh, relations. Uh, but we need to look at uh, trade outside politics. Uh, and then we understand what it means in terms of numbers. So in my understanding, if China is benefiting, is the biggest uh, 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 beneficiary from the United States in terms of trade and investment, Africa must do the same or South Africa must do the same. And I think South Africans, in terms of uh, looking at taking a side, I think we need to look at the numbers and not really look at things from uh, political uh, like, uh, like, uh, uh, like sentiments or uh, like relations. Uh, and with that, I think we can benefit uh, more. Prof, is that possible to, to, to look at the numbers and not the politics in your view? Well, absolutely. This is what it should be. Uh, just imagine yourself going to a shop to, uh, to buy a bar of chocolate and, and, the, and the, the guy selling the chocolate says, no, I'm not selling to you because I don't like you. Uh, so um, we, we have to keep politics out of trade, but we have to look at numbers. The total South African exports for 2022 was 135 billion US dollars. Of that, only 2.7 billion was Agoa-related exports to America. So it's uh, it's less than two percent. So um, it it uh, less than two percent of our trade can't possibly dictate uh, the choices of South Africa, the politics of South Africa, and and. Uh, and, and, and change everything we're doing. Uh, I think America is, is also quite aware of this. This, uh, this AGOA meeting here showed it, uh, that America is quite aware that this AGOA agreement is also a very big incentive for American companies to come to South Africa, manufacture here, and then be able to, to send the goods to America without having to, uh, to pay onerous uh, entry or, or customs duties. Of course, the, the old ideal 20 years ago of the World Trade Organization was to, to remove all trade barriers, to have globalization, to say, no, of course, the goods and services in this world should, should be able to, to flow freely and to, to find their best markets without, without hindrance. Mm -hmm. This whole thing of customs duty is something that we need to overcome. This is why we have the new agreement in, in Africa uh, that, that tries to promote trade in Africa, that... Um, Bananas from, from Ghana and coffee from Ghana and chocolate should be able to enter South Africa without paying duties and, and vehicles manufactured here or agricultural machines should be able to, to be yeah. bought in, in anywhere in Africa without paying duties. So this is the ideal. This is where we must go. And uh, of course, we want to keep mm -hmm. politics out of trade. Mielani, you know, when you look at the, the, the benefits also as you've laid some of them bare, one thinks about the agricultural sector, for example, manufacturing the automobile sector um, as benefiting from this particular um, you know, agreement. But the, there's something you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation that we need to do more to maximize on some of the opportunities and expand the scale. Let's talk about that. How do we begin and which for you are some of the industries that are untapped? Uh 
uh, uh, thanks uh, for that. Uh, you know, like a, a lot of uh, things that South Africa can uh, 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 benefit from this agreement, it could be in technology and telecoms. Uh, that is one. Uh, you can look as well on mining, uh, mining beneficiation. So you find our products being exported without a value add. And when we do things well, it will need foreign direct investment uh, in South Africa. And then we manufacture the products in South Africa. We create jobs in South Africa and we export these products uh, to uh, uh, the United States and as well other parts of the world. What, like what? we might probably need to position ourselves as the country is. Our, our DFIs and DTI must work together and prepare South African companies so that they are competitive. I don't think it's all about all these co uh, countries that we are partnering with, but locally or domestically, there are some of the things we are not doing right with regard to positioning companies or small businesses to be ready uh, for a business or to be ready for exporting and at the same time financing them so that in terms of dfis and uh, the dti we might not be doing uh, things well and if we can improve at that level south africa can as well uh, do more and we can have capacity to uh, reduce our unemployment to uh, around uh, 10 to 15 percent and uh, certainly, uh, you know, I, I wish we had more time to talk about this, but, uh, you know, it's, it's it's something that is an ongoing conversation and we'll continue to monitor and see if indeed these particular forests uh, are in fact yielding the desired results and really moving at an accelerated pace to address some of the challenges that we are facing locally, um, you know, because also ultimately that what it, it, that is what it is about. Let me thank you both for your time. That is Mielanem Kabela, founding director and CEO at Antwisa uh, Management Group and Professor Andre Thomashausen, Professor Emeritus of Comparative and International Law at UNISA. You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 nationwide. Our podcasts are available for download on all our digital platforms. SAFM, leading the conversation.